As I concluded in the last episode, uh, modern ethics is pretty much nonsense. In order to realize why it is nonsense and simply ruling class ideology, you need to use uh, philosophy's greatest tool, imagination. Imagine uh, Plato and Aristotle getting up in the morning in their two-story stone Greek house and getting ready for the day by their servants and slaves preparing their meals, food, bath, clothes, and their slaves walking them to the academy carrying any loads they have. And, and then they spend the whole day and their whole lives discussing what is good, ridiculing d- democracy and ridiculing those who actually spend their life uh, physically working for a living, something of which they know nothing. And they spend their whole self-centered life on this pursuit of happiness, which they uh, seem to have plenty of, despite the misery going around them, such as at the time of the Peloponnesian War, the reign of the 30 tyrants, and even uh, Alexander the Great and his uh, conquests uh, going around them. These uh, philosophers ridicule the sophists, and to this day, their ridicule gives them uh, bad con- connotations, but it is the basis of our word uh, sophistry. But they are probably bigger hypocrites than any of the uh, sophists. History is uh, beyond the scope of this uh, podcast series, but if you're interested in learning about their hypocrisy, I, I ask you to read uh, the book uh, The Trial of Socrates by I.F. Stone that gives a, the view from the prosecution side and to see the hypocrisy of these uh, supposed ethicists. Now, you use your imagination and imagine the Roman Stoics or Epicureans living and sitting in their marble Roman villas with mosaics beneath and around them, maintained by their slaves, who also take care of most of their needs, while they sit there contemplating the meaning of good and happiness and of the meaningless of the physical work which they uh, avoid in most of their lives. Imagining this, uh, you see why Christianity, in its ridicule of such hypocrites, through what the uh, philosopher Nietzsche now calls its slave morality, went viral and uh, spread so quickly through the uh, Roman world. Continue with your imagination and uh, now think of uh, Immanuel Kant living his entire adult life in a university chair in Konigsberg, Prussia, the central home of the uh, Teutonic Knights, with 18th century wars of succession raging around him and finally capped by the uh, French Revolution uh, while he sits there writing how nice it would be if everyone out there trying to survive in the world followed an ethical uh, categorical imperative uh, that he does in his uh, sheltered bubble. Then continue to the 20th century and uh, imagine John Rawls here at Harvard uh, somehow forgetting his uh, World War II experience in the Philippines, perhaps through PTSD, to somehow take 40 years at Harvard to conclude that it would be nice if everyone played uh, mental games in which they had no power and thus would issue ethical rules that would protect the powerless and powerful equally. Right, uh, those are nice thoughts, but he might as well have written that it would be nice if everyone flew like butterflies. Uh, no one, especially no one in power, with the uh, power to go from an is to an ought, ever thought that way, is thinking that way, or ever will think that way. Uh, also, of course, none of these uh, upper-class philosophers with time on their hands 
ever give a thought to the practical application of whatever uh, ethical theory they create from nothingness like God's, the categorical imperative or of Kant or the mental games of John Rawls might work with something obvious like slavery that at least for the moment is a universally agreed upon evil. But how would these rational games work with more subtle uh, or even with simple practical ones? Uh, for example, abortion or even gun ownership uh, in this veil of ignorance that John Rawls uh, emphasizes. Should I imagine being a three-month-old fetus, a nine-month-old fetus, or is any conceived life worth protecting? Uh, Mr. Ross should have asked the feminists at Harvard uh, to play his mental game before writing a 900-page book on it to see if it was worthwhile. And uh, how would the powers that be contemplate uh, gun ownership that no one seems to understand except for gun owners? These theories do not even work for simple practical problems. Uh, how about pornography or the presently of the uh, omnipresent illegal drug use that makes people happy? For their own good, will the uh, Ivy League, uh, in its veil of ignorance, deny people access to it? I mean, personally, I love sport bikes that do over 100 miles an hour, even 150, and I love smoking cigars and pipes, but I cannot imagine... Uh, any of the uh, politically correct, with or without a veil of ignorance, uh, protecting any of these goods for my future, uh, even though I could not have imagined surviving life with, uh, at least without the motorcycles. I don't know about the other two. Now, uh, the subject of this series is not history. It's the basics of philosophy, so I must limit myself in terms of time. And the reality is that for the working man, there's absolutely no way around this is our problem. Uh, ethics is no longer a philosophical issue, but a business issue. Uh, these days, is, uh, ethics is serious business. Everyone with power that can spell ethics and can hire either volunteers or paid personnel to enforce their sense of ethics will do this. Society is full of uh, either paid workers or volunteers who want to follow orders and do follow orders consisting of arbitrary ethical rules that have no connect, logical connection between what is and what ought to be, but are simply based on the fact that those with power want uh, things to be that way. They want to go from whatever is to the ought that they're defining in their ethical rules. None of these paid business people or volunteers who run these ethics committees do so from a uh, veil of ignorance in which they ignore their own power. Uh, the exact opposite. They run these things to maintain whatever power they have. If it's business ethics, the goal is to get as much work out of people while paying them as little as possible. For a profession, profession such as the law, the goal is to enforce whatever power, power structure the rich and powerful who are the law's primary clients want and of their bagmen, the judges want. Except for te technology and its elimination of the need for formal, legal, recognized slavery, we are no more sophisticated now, either politically, ethically, or morally, than the ancients. The only thing the modern world has done is separate ethics from morality uh, through science and technology neither of which cares about morality. Uh, much of the scientific progress during World War II and rocket science occurred 
by rocket scientists uh, using a Nazi-provided slave labor to cause the death of tens of thousands, if not hundreds of thousands, of slave workers. There is nothing in science to bar slavery or any evil, for that matter, and the same is true of technology. In a way, the uh, sophists and uh, Mackey's uh, error theory is correct, except they avoid the uh, Marcus critique that in the end, all the powerful share the same world concept. And now in our global economy, this world concept is becoming an ethics that is uh, becoming our world ethics, irrespective of what the individual workers, any individual worker wants or needs to prosper. However, this does not mean that the working man must abandon hope of uh, having a morality of uh, the concepts of moral and immoral. The history of good and evil was not made by Plato's or Aristotle's, nor even by modern-day uh, fake heroes such as Gandhi, Martin Luther King, or the Kennedys, who primarily used their marketing of a reputation for ethics as a meat as a means to get away with beating their wives or to getting laid. Good and evil are created in the daily struggle for life. A working man still has a choice of whether to struggle to be moral, amoral, or immoral. I say struggle instead of fighting because the violent rebellion of the past would just be suicide in our modern age. In any community called ethical, the individual can still be any one of those three and in any community called unethical, the individual can still be one of those three. Uh, in fact, in my experience, a person's reputation to be ethical is usually inversely proportional to their actually being a morally good person. This truth needs to be examined and understood. Uh, unfortunately, the only philosophy to deal with this problem is existentialism. Uh, theology, except for uh, Soren Kierkegaard, pretty much ignores it. If anyone is interested in Contemplating further the history of the concepts of good and evil, I suggest Susan Nyman's book, Evil in Modern Thought, a, uh, and also a reading of the uh, Battle of Thermopylae, which is pretty well known, but also of the lesser-known naval battle of uh, Argimuse, uh, spelled A-R-G-I-M-U-S-A-E, and its aftermath in Athens, in which you will see that the ancient world was in many ways more sophisticated both in understanding and contemplating ethics and putting it into a workable politics.